You're listening to Upfront on the Voice of America. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jackson Vungani. Now, lately, we've been talking a lot about social media, from Facebook to Twitter, Instagram, and others. The conversation surrounding these platforms has mostly been about how they continue to have a corrosive influence on our society, especially when it comes to spreading misinformation. In fact, various studies have shown that people who get their news primarily through social media tend to be less well-informed and more likely to be exposed to misinformation. But there is undoubtedly another side to social media, a side that we have covered on this show for many years when platforms like Twitter were in their nascent stages. When we started talking about social media over a decade ago, it was about how it has transformed our societies and created platforms for community engagement. It was also mostly about how social media has given voice to millions around the world to mobilize around issues of common interest, issues like human rights, social justice, civic activism, and many others. So Facebook and its issues aside, social media clearly has its advantages, and that often gets lost in the conversation of its corrosive influence on our society today. But for a moment this summer, a social media campaign driven by netizens on Twitter to bring attention to an injustice that was taking place in real time in Cameroon was a reminder on the power of social media and how it can provide a toolkit for highlighting and mobilizing on an issue or around a cause like that of our next guest. Rebecca Inochong is a well-known Cameroonian-American tech entrepreneur who was arrested and jailed in her hometown of Douala in Cameroon. Rebecca's case would have likely ended up like many of her countrymen and women who are arbitrarily arrested and jailed without trial. Rebecca's arrest sparked outrage on social media with thousands of people calling for her release. And that pressure was enough for authorities in Douala to release her without any formal charges. And Rebecca joins me on the show today to tell us her side of the story. Uh, All right, so Rebecca... For those who are not familiar with your story, talk to us about what, what happened. Why did you get arrested? So as I said, as, as you rightly said, I was in Cameroon um, and I had been uh, following up on some, um, on some letters that I had left to the uh, attorney general. And um, apparently he was not happy with the fact that I was following up on these letters, I suppose, because um, I was arrested without a complaint. I've, I never saw any complaint. Um, I was called to the gendarmerie, you know, on a, on a false motive. I was told that um, the first time um, it was for to meet, it was a courtesy visit. Um, and the second time it was, they said it was to sign a document. And so, you know, I was, I was then held um, for three nights and four, four full days. So you went in the second time. The first time they let you go, but the second time when you were supposed to go sign paperwork, you, did they tell you you were under arrest? Um, they, at, at, at first, they did not tell me. I asked them several times, am I under arrest? And they said they, they, they didn't say they, I, that I wasn't, but they didn't say, they said we did not say that. But at 8.30 p.m., this was Tuesday, um, 8.30 p.m., they um, notified me officially and gave me the document saying that I was officially de- in detention, detained. Okay. All right. So uh, earlier that, they, they said you're not under, under arrest, but you're not free to go. So exactly. How often <laughs> does this kind of thing happen in, to a regular person in Cameroon? 
You know, it happens all too often. We, um, there was the trial of five young people, five young men that were leaving a meeting um, and they were leaving an office. It was a Friday um, and they were picked up by, by the gendarmerie, um, you know, the, and, and charged with inciting unrest. They were just leaving a meeting. They were walking in the street. Um, their trial has been, um, they were arrested. It's been o over a year now. If, if you were not the high-profile detainee that you were, is it possible that you would still be in jail right now? And if, yes. if, if yes. there hadn't been I, so much noise? Yeah, I think it's very likely that I would be. So let's go back to the original reason why they say, quote-unquote, you were arrested. Oh, you were actually you know, arrested. Yes. The attorney general was the plaintiff in this case, I guess? Yes, but he, and, he filed a verbal complaint, apparently. Okay. <laughs> because I, there was never any written document um, that showed what he was not happy with. So up to now, do you know why he arrested you? They have never released any documents. Um, and the only statement um, that was in the file um, at the time of my arrest was mine. So there was no other paper. There was no other document um, except for the statement that I'd made on that Monday um, and then um, the following statement that I made on that Tuesday, a witness came on that Friday, but apparently didn't say anything really. Uh, I was a secretary. Mm. And so till, to, till this day, I don't have reason, a real reason. And they dropped all the charges. And so there won't be any court case. Um, um, and because we won't be going to court, you know, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know officially what, um, what the reason for the arrest. All we know is on the on my statement when it got typed up at the top they have to put the charges um, and up there they put article 154 and it said outrage um, une autorité. So it's like uh, um, contempt of a public official in the name of the attorney general, in the person of the attorney general, right. is what is is what it said. Have you met the attorney general? What kind of dealings did you have with him or his office? Um, I've met him a couple of times. Um, pretty tense, I would say. It, he he wasn't the most warm person. Um, I met him, you know, very professionally for less than five minutes each time. The first time I believe I met him was in um, January of this year. I'd been assaulted, and the decision on the um, the person that had been arrested in my assault was in his hands, in the hands of the attorney general. Um, and so I went to explain to him what had happened. I also left a, a letter with some some documents, including um, you know medical uh, records. Um, showing the gravity of the arrest. He mm -hmm. decided after that to immediately release the, um, the person. I mean, the, the Attorney General seems to me like a person who is way up there in the judicial system. That, that is correct. So, right. so he's in charge of what they call police uh, judiciaire, which means that anything, any investigation that the police does or the gendarmerie, which is a type of police, any of those that he that that they he is ultimately um, the, the the responsible party. He's the person who signs off on on whatever charges in this case. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah, so what happens is that you, we have some state councils, what they call state councils, um, for each that are with each court. And each of those state councils, for instance, when they've arrested somebody, they will draft a recommendation for each of the people arrested, but then they take it to the attorney general and the attorney general decides what the fate of that person is. Mm. Um, and and it, it goes much more than that. For instance, in even civil cases, when the opinion of the um, the what they call ministère public or the government is uh, is uh, required or requested. Um, it's again the state council that um, that would do that, and many times the state council has to refer back to the attorney general. So mm -hmm. really, it, it would be like a minister of justice uh, plus the head of police plus a, a, in a, in a different country. You know, things are very centralized here. I mean, in Cameroon, as you know, and so. Um, um, yeah, he, he wields an awful lot of power, for sure. Mm -hmm. In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront of the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. I'm chatting with Rebecca Enochong, tech entrepreneur who was arrested and jailed in Cameroon for a number of days, only to be released after her arrest sparked outrage on social media and a subsequent campaign for her release. Now, you were arrested. There's not been any official charges. I guess the case has been closed, though. Are there going to be any consequences, you know, to him as a plaintiff? Is this the end of it? Are you going to take him to court? Or is there any review in process within the system to say, you know, if the attorney general does this, there are consequences? To yeah, unfortunately, um, we, we don't have that. I mean, my recourse would be filing a case for um, illegal detention um, um, in court, but he, 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 his, his, um, his um, state councils would be the ones to, you see what I'm saying? It also makes it very complicated for me because, you know, if anything were to happen to me, um, he's the he man would, support. Exactly, exactly. And so, and so, you know, I, I, I feel that because of the international attention and local attention that this matter had, you know, I'm hoping that um, at least uh, his, his hierarchy, his, um, his upper, up, uh, will, will make decisions and will, will, will sanction, I mean, sanction, will, um, do something um, against him mm. very soon. Um, but if they don't, then, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely find a way to, um, to, file, to file something, even if it has to be in an international um, human rights court or, you know, if, if I have to go to an international court to do so, I will do so because it's unacceptable. Um, that, that, that anyone that wields this much power would use it you know, for for his own um, personal purposes. Right, um, right. And, and if in, in, in Cameroon, and I, you, you say this sometime, you said if, if you're rich and powerful and innocent, you still go to jail. Yes. It was, in a way, it was necessary for you to understand the criminal justice system in Cameroon, how it works. My case is just another one. It's not, it's not exceptional in that 
it, you know, it, it's something that happens and it's recurrence. It's just, I think the difference in my case was simply that, you know, thank you very much to the media, to my friends, to my Twitter community. To um, thank media. You. Yeah, the media was an incredible, incredible. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that really, really raised, raised awareness on this case. If not, I would probably still be um, in detention today. Hello, I'm enjoying your program. I'm Richard Marshall Smolki from Nigeria, Taraba State. Thank you very much. Girls are good in science, so we just need to change that mindset of boys being the best. The, the doctors who are female should be role model, and they should be informing the other girls who are in schools that science is good for them and they can do well. Uh, what should be done is to, as in done, to encourage girls to take science subjects. I think uh, first of all begins at home. Sometimes they feel they fear the science subjects. Now the thing is like this, you know, we girls actually we we tend sometimes to branch away from the science subjects. When you try to look at the nurses and and, and the doctors we have around, the majority are men. So what I want to say, and uh, maybe what can encourage them to do science is are the teachers themselves at school. Upfront show, upfront show, presented by Jack. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, oh. Well, it's blessed by Rock tuning into the upfront show. Well, informative for the youths, you know. Rastafari. Welcome back. We are chatting with tech entrepreneur Rebecca Enochong. Let's go back to that day, the, the, the day when, when they called you, they summoned you to the police, I guess the second time to sign this document. Um, were you prepared for detention? And when did you realize that you might be staying overnight? Um, no, I was not prepared for detention. Um, it was funny because that, that Monday, I had been prepared for detention. So that Monday, I had gone in. The first and time you went in, you had prepared. I, I was wearing a pantsuit. I was, you know, so I was like, I was going to be, a, I, was, I was comfortable. I was like, if I have to spend my night, and I never thought, imagined that it would be more than one night. You know, at least, you know, I wore comfortable, what I call comfortable shoes. And, you know, so I was, I was dressed professionally, but, but very comfortably. The second day, I was in a dress. I was in heels. I was, you know, I really did not, was not at all um, prepared physically or mentally um, um, on that Tuesday. That That's for sure. And I think that you know, in my mind, because they served me so late with um, the notification, the official notification of my detention, that's at 8.30 at night, it was very difficult for me to reach out um, to get support from anyone. And at that point, they took my phones. And so I, I really was relying on my lawyers and, you know, those people that were still present with me um, to communicate um, and, and, and at that point, I didn't want it to go public because I really thought that I was like, okay, guys, <laughs> you know, this is going to last one, you know, a few hours, you know, um, probably around midnight, I realized that mm, this was not going to happen. Like I was not going to get released, that I was probably going to spend the night, um, but I didn't think that it would go beyond one day. Mm. And what, what was the first night like for you? Um, it was, I didn't sleep at all. Um, they give you a bed? You know, no, 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 no bed, no bed, no bed. I mean, I wasn't in a cell, but in the cell, they have no beds either. Um, but I wasn't in the cell because the cell, cell was all male. 
right? The, the, and it, this is like the hardcore criminals um, that they have. It's a section um, called uh, Bureau du Grand, du Grand Lutte. It's the, for, for the big, big criminals, um, violent criminals. And so they, they don't have a facility in there for women. Um, and so they put me in the office that's right next to the cell. Um, but it's, I don't know if you've seen the state of our, our, those offices in Cameroon, but it was, you know, so I had a plastic chair, you know, those plastic um, chairs that they have at events. Um, and I, and I sat in that um, all, night. all night. Yes, all night. There were no toilet facilities. Um, you know, there was a captain that was in the office next door, but that office wasn't available overnight. So I had to wait for him to come and use um, his, his toilet um, the, the following morning. Wow. The second, that, that, so that, after, after, that, the first, after the first night, did they transfer you anywhere else? Yeah, with better facilities? in a different office, this time that had air conditioning. Um, and it was, you know, it was still a chair, you know, and that night I, did, I had brought in, because I, I figured I was going to stay longer than I thought, so... I had some sheets and um, towels and things brought in. Um, and so I, I, I spent part of the night on the floor thinking I would sleep on the floor. Um, but then I was face to face with um, some, some other um, detainees, I would say, that were mice <laughs> um, and other unwelcome. So that was, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not going to do this. So I, 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 you know, I, I got back on the chair. It was a much more comfortable chair. It was like a cushioned chair. I got back on the chair. So I, I you know, I, I probably got a couple hours of sleep. That on is, day. That's night number two? That's night number two, yeah. And night number three was in the same location. And I did not get on the floor. I mean, I skipped the floor. And as I, I think I mentioned this last time, it was, um, you know, I, I needed to use the toilet, but that there was no toilet. And so I had to use a bottle of, you know, an empty bottle of water, um, you know. And, yeah, yeah. What, what, what was going through your mind at this time? I mean, this, this seems to be, I mean, what was going through your mind at this time? Uh, you know, I was worried that you might stay there you know, longer? Like, oh my, I, you know, I think what, what I missed the most was freedom, right? It wasn't so much the condition because as, as difficult as the conditions were, they were much better than most detainees, right? Most detainees are in a cell with, mm -hmm. you know, lots of other people, um, you know, some of whom have killed. Um, and so, you know, you, you, I was in a much safer place um, than, than I would have been if I was in a general cell. But I was also very concerned for my safety and security um, because, you know, anything could happen. I mean, the, anything could happen. There, I was very, I wasn't, the guards were, you know, I had, there were two guards, but they were sleeping and they were sleeping on mattresses, by the way. Um, <laughs> they were sleeping on mattresses very comfortably. Um, anybody could have, you know, I, I think that, 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 they could they could have very well broken in and and unharmed me and i think that, that that my lawyers and and people around me were actually very afraid of you know some incident happening at the at the gendarmerie and, and i think that even the gendarmerie was afraid 
mm. of something happening there because um, they really wanted to be gone. You're listening to Upfront of the Voice of America. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yes, women of today are struggling, but I think you wouldn't compare their struggles to those of the past. I would say technology has exposed the world to so many things. Let's just look at education. For a woman to make it even in university, she needs a lot of effort. For the women of the past, education was not a priority. Marriage was a priority at that time. Meanwhile, the world has changed. Everything has changed. We are in a modern world. In the past, we didn't have an internet. Uh, in the past, people did not observe some human rights. And in the past, because women were not empowered, men were abusing them in so many ways. Were not considered as important as men. But now, many girls are educated. Uh, most of the women in Malawi, they are still not employed because uh, we still have uh, this gender gap in our country uh, whereby some women are not considered as material for professional jobs. That's a very big challenge. On that one, I would say women are suffering because they would uh, look for a job for most six months and then they just get tired and leave it. Welcome back. We are chatting with tech entrepreneur Rebecca Enochong. And in many ways, we are highlighting what we see as a positive side of social media. See, over the years on this show, we have covered social media's capacity to be a force for good in the world, especially in the way people use it for civic activism, for social justice campaign, mobilization and community engagement. Rebecca's case is a primary example of that. And we're glad she was able to join us on the show to talk to us about her story. Where, do you think they were surprised, uh, or even the, the attorney general, do you think they were all surprised at the type of reaction your detention got? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. Of, of, they, yeah, they, I, I think they, they were surprised. I was surprised. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, that, that they, were, they were surprised. I, um, at, definitely at the gendarmerie, from the very next morning, um, I felt as though they didn't want this anymore. You know, they really, um, you know, I, that's, that's the impression that I had. Um, and they're actually the ones that told me that it was starting to go in media. Um, that, because you that didn't have the phone at the time. You still didn't have yeah, phone. You didn't know what was happening. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I was getting it third, you know, secondhand from the gendarmes or from the lawyers or, you know, I, I was receiving a, a, some visits um, and people were telling me a little bit about what was happening. But um, do, do you think but the, I, police, the police were annoyed at the attorney general at the type of uh, attention that he might have brought to them? I, 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 I wouldn't assume that they were very happy about it. Um, you know, and as I said, they really kept wanting to get rid of me. Like they kept dropping me off at the state council's office and then like, please don't let, please, please, please. And they would drop me in the, and the, the, the Thursday, they actually dropped me and left. Um, and then they got called to to pick me up again. And they were like, oh no, please. No, no, no. (laughs) But yeah. They were put in a very awkward position. Yeah, but I think they partially put themselves in that position mm. um, because, um, you know, I think they partially put themselves in that position I because mean, they, they were should... following orders from the higher ups. And I imagine yeah, but they have they, very little power. Came, 
came from the attorney general and certainly he has the right mm -hmm. um, to order somebody's arrest. But when he's the plaintiff, at least get it in writing so that, you know, you have something um, that you can then use to defend your actions. Um, but but all of this apparently was done over the phone um, mm -hmm. during the, the time that they were taking my statement on Monday. Um, they were reading, the colonel was reading the questions from his phone. It's almost like they sent them him the questions, him the questions. By, by WhatsApp or something like that. Um, because it, it, there was nothing, there was not a single document. Um, and I think that, you know, in cases such as these, um, the least you should do you know, when you're police or, you know, um, uh, uh, law enforcement is to ensure that you have all your, your ducks in order. Does it appear that the, the attorney general does this quite frequently to kind of show his power, you know, flaunt his power and I don't think he does it for complaints like, that he's filing, mm. right? So I think that that, you know, he does assert his authority, you know, in, in these ways, you know, many, many, in many instances. But, but you know, I don't know of another case where he is the, the plaintiff. Mm. In the case of the person who assaulted you, was that, that never came to the courts? Are you following up? No, no it was, the person was on trial, but I was on trial, free on trial. Um, and, you know, it's another case where, um, the, 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 you know, again, um, when the case went for deliberation and we're expecting a decision in June of this year, um, the other, other judicial authorities, um, not because the, 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 uh, the guy that assaulted me is like a common criminal. He's been arrested like seven times, mm -hmm. but because I was the victim, um, and you know, it's a way to shut me up. Um, you know, th there are a whole bunch of people intervening on his behalf um, or against me, I should say, is, is the better way of saying it. And um, so therefore, the, the case was reopened. Um, so instead of, you know, going for deliberation, the case was reopened um, for they wanted a, um, a medical reexamination, which I, I was prepared to, um, to comply with until the, the, um, the, the guy that assaulted me um, actually asked, um, recused the judge and appealed the decision to have the medical reexamination. And see, since he's doing this free, um, you know, we're just going to lose, you know, years, maybe months. Uh, I mean, months, maybe years um, as a result of that. You know, we're already in September. The appeal hasn't even been um, set for trial at the court of appeal. Um, you know, it could be years, you know, I have another case it's where very likely you want to receive the justice. And yeah. I mean, this person is, 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 uh, is going to, he's been released and he's, uh, his trial happened when he was at home, you know, yeah. but you were not granted the same privilege. No, no, because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm bothering these people. You know, I exist, and you know I, the, the fact that I exist bothers them. How often do you go to Cameroon, and 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 um, are you worried now about your travel and the frequency of your travel to 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 Cameroon? I'm actually more in Cameroon than I am in the U.S. Um, I travel a lot internationally. It's just COVID that that 
that, you know, I got caught, ca caught up in Cameroon for a long period because of um, travel restrictions and then um, um, have been traveling less, but I spend more time in general in Cameroon than I do in the U.S. But yeah, that's, that's something that I got out <laughs> of Cameroon as quickly as I could after I was released. And, um, you know, I have some ongoing matters there and I need to attend to them. But um, yeah, but I do have concerns for my safety. Yes, absolutely. And uh, finally, Rebecca, first of all, thank you for, you know, sharing your story with us as we as we come to the end of our, of our conversation today. I want to ask you how this moment or this episode or this incident in your life shape, is shaping your professional and personal life. Um, I think it's, um, it's, it's, you know, to be seen. I'm not sure yet. I think I'm, I'm still trying to recover, um, you know, psychologically and professionally. I obviously, you know, a lot of work got not, was not done. Um, and, you know, even after I was released, it's taken me a little bit of time to, to get caught up. So I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm, I can answer that question um, mm -hmm. right now. Are you going to be more outspoken on social justice issues? Uh, yeah, but I, you know, as I said, they've, they've done me a service in that they've given me um, legitimacy in in discussing issues of social justice. Um, no, street cred. Yeah, I guess I have street cred, yes. <laughs> I can even be a rapper now, right? <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much for talking to yeah. us. No, thank you, Jackson, and thank you very much for the support from the media. And with that, we come to the end of our show. Many thanks to our guest, Rebecca Enochong. You can follow her on Twitter at Africa Takey. And thanks to all of you, whether you're listening in live on FM or shortwave or online. You can find the podcast for this episode and others on our website at voanews.com. And remember to connect with us on social media. We are at VOA Upfront on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. I am at Upfront Africa. Let's meet again here next week. I'm Jackson Bungani, sending you my best wishes. Goodbye, everyone.